Welcome to Amplify Ambition. I'm Kristen Edwards, leadership consultant and your guide to implementing custom strategies based on your personality type. This is the podcast where you get to evaluate your zones of genius and create your best life by growing a business that works for you instead of you working for it. Let's dive in because your next level of success is within reach once you decide to dream loudly. Welcome back to another episode of Amplify Ambition. I'm so excited to welcome my guest today, who goes by Isa. Isabella is a content messaging strategist, um, empowering value-driven entrepreneurs to connect their dream clients in their own way. And as you know, I'm all about creating your own rules for success and creating your best life. And so she knows that the answer to your content struggle is not by posting more, but by having aligned messaging. So welcome to the show, Isabella. Thank you so much for having me. I love how aligned this all happened. I was sending you a message while you were sending me a message. Um, So I just think it was meant to be. Absolutely. So before we dive into what it really means to be a content messaging strategist, I started out branding myself as a multi-passionate coach. So I want to know what is that thing that you absolutely love, care about, enjoy doing in your spare time, but is not what we see in your the brand that you promote on social media? Yeah, I mean, I would say two things and they are related. Um, I don't talk about it too often, but I did get my degree in journalism and I thought that that was going to be my everything, especially around topics of diversity and inclusion. So throughout my high school and college days, like everything to me was about combining and marrying journalism about diversity and inclusion. And I know that that has become such a relevant topic um, for everyone in the past couple of years. But for me, it was like top of mind all the time. And I would love to find ways to talk about it a lot more on my page, but because, you know, the speed of Instagram and the, sometimes we lack a little nuance. um, I'm, I'm struggling to bring that forth in a way that is authentic and necessary, not just like virtue signaling. Yeah, makes complete sense. Um, I started my career working in diversity and inclusion assessment um, and still in many ways, it's still part of like the work that I do, but it's not something that you see on social media for me either. So I think it's one of those things that's always interesting, but then you don't want to bring it up just because of everything that's happened in the last year and a half um, in social media or in the in the media in general. So it's like, keeping it authentic to you. But I think having that passion and caring about it is important and writing about it is obviously like how we're all going to learn too. So thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's also something that, you know, even if you're not putting it at the forefront of your brand, like I love that I have that background just because with the speed of Instagram and marketing, some people put out some very questionable things. And so I love that I'm able to kind of catch that and be like, let's reel that in let's rethink and be able to call that out. And and I have had clients say that that was something they appreciated. So, you know, even if it's not for the, at the forefront, it's still very much there. Absolutely. Thank you. And I think, yes, having that just underlying level of inclusion in the work that you're doing um, and recognizing, right. We're always learning. So if that's something that you're learning about and how to uh, connect with other humans, still a great thing to do. So again, thank you for sharing that. All right, so let's dive in. Um, Just in case people are not specifically sure, because you're not like a social media manager, you do it in a very 
different way and helping people with that content. So what is a content messaging strategist? Yeah. So thank you for saying that I'm not a social media manager because that is like my number one clarifying question all the time. So um, the way that I differentiate the two, first and foremost, is that I don't do the day-to-day posting for you. I look at the overall strategy. I'm looking at how you are coming across and what you're ultimately communicating, not just this week, not just this month, but over time. And I think that's very important. Again, I've, I've said it a couple of times already. The speed of social media can have us really focusing on trends, really focusing on, oh my gosh, what am I going to post today? But when you are able to hone in on your messaging, you're able to create a strategy that feels true to you, you're, you are creating longevity and you're also creating a much stronger recognition for people who are watching you from the other side of the screen makes complete sense. And what got you started? So you mentioned that you were a journalism major in college, but how did you get from, I guess, traditional journalism that we kind of know of to focusing on social media and that content creation piece? Yeah. So I, um, I always, you know, I'm hesitant to say it, but I am very young. I graduated actually, uh, in the middle of the pandemic, May, 2020, um, with my fresh journalism degree. And I jumped right into a role as a magazine digital editor. And I thought that that was going to be, you know, like web writing all the time, but it ended up being a ton of social media, a ton of SEO and all that stuff that we talk about now in this space. I was learning and applying every day. I had done social media for a nonprofit all throughout my college experience. And so I was being pushed in this direction of social media. And I remember very vividly having a conversation, um, with a mentor of mine being like, I am not going to post on social media every day for the rest of my life. And like, look where we are. So, you know, be careful what you say. Um, but no, I mean, I, I really started recognizing, okay, I have this skill. I have, um, a different approach to it than other people. And I know that I can help a lot of people within my own community as well. So I did start out as a bilingual content strategist um, and I still do very much embrace the bilingual aspect and being able to touch the Latinx community here, at least in the Philadelphia area and through the internets. Um, And so all of it just really coming together allowed me to see that, okay, even if I said it one time that I wasn't going to do it forever, I can, I have um, a skill set that people need. And again, that different approach. So it has been something where it felt like a hard pivot, um, but everything has kind of led up to it. And so ultimately what made me take the leap was like many of us, I wasn't feeling all that fulfilled in corporate. Um, October of last year, I was like, I was furloughed. I was sitting in my home office being like, what am I doing? Is this what, you know, post-grad life is like? And um, you get to that point of discontentment where you're like, something has to change. And I, I looked at the skills I already had and just ran with it. Um, and I, I love it. I love getting to, to inform people how to best show up online without it having to feel like a rat race. Yes, because the rat race is not fun. So it makes complete sense. So you've mentioned, you know, that you have a different approach So talk to me about that approach. What are some of the kind of foundations that you want your clients to have as they're getting ready to create their content? Yeah, so I think we hear it very often, but 
quality over quantity. Um, I think that a lot of people right now are being like constantly bombarded by the message, like consistency is key, but we confuse consistency with frequency. And so I see a lot of people posting every day or posting multiple times a day and on, you know, five different platforms. And then they're burnt out. Their messaging is wonky because they didn't take enough time to build those foundations. And they're like, I don't know why it's not working. So I always kind of start with the permission of like, do you want to be posting 21 different posts a week? That would be three posts a day. Most people are like, no. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) so let's not, let's not. And kind of starting with that permission of what is the frequency that best fits you. And then once we get that out of the way, because that's a huge mindset thing that people have is really structuring everything around your ideal client. And I call it your dream client. And you're really just sitting there and building, who is it that you get joy out of working from? Can we talk to just them instead of being this quick tip reels making machine um let's let's make it sustainable enjoyable and at a pace that's actually gonna work because I know you're a mom I know there are people out here who are still in their nine to five how are you finding time for your clients and 21 posts a week I don't understand yeah and I think you know you're told like we're gonna post 21 times a week and when you say it like that I mean three times a day already sounds like a lot but when you say 21 I'm like I know it's math, but that sounds worse um, as well. But, you know, you kind of get told, well, just batch all your content, like sit down and create all your content for a month. So what is your thought behind even that batch content creation, which to me still sounds like way too much time and effort. And for anyone that's wondering, I've never batched content because that stresses me out. But for the people who are told that or trying to go that method, is there a way to still make sure that there's confidence behind what it is because I'm sure if you're trying to batch content by the time you get to post number 12 you're like I don't have anything else to talk about um, as well so what are your thoughts behind that yeah so I really love batching ideas but then building out the content week to week so um, by batching ideas I love Airtable Airtable is my favorite system I will use it for myself and for um, my clients as well and so Once you have a clear understanding of what your ideal audience wants, what the barriers are towards getting what they want, and then what they believe about themselves in the process of getting what they want, you can build a lot of different ideas. You can build ideas that are, again, intentional, strategic, not just what was the trending audio this week. And I say that not as a judgment against reels, because I used to be like reels queen. I had a whole workshop around it. And so nothing against reels, but, um, you know, if you're just following the trend day to day, again, you're going to drive yourself crazy. So, um, once you have the ideal client, you understand what they want, what they need and what they believe. And then you put yourself into that equation. You say, how do I get them to what they want and eliminate the things that are in their way? The, the content ideas are an overflow. And that's how you batch your ideas. I like to batch them by quarter and say, when are my launches? When are my holidays? When are, um, you know, what are my, my income goals throughout this time? What do I need to get there? And then that can always change. It's, I know you've said it before in your podcast and everyone, it's not the actual plan. It's the process of planning 
that gets you towards where you want to go. So um, batch ideas, but go week to week in terms of actually creating the content. That makes complete sense. And having those bigger themes that you're focusing on, what does my client need? Well, they need your solution. So there you are talking about your offer. You're able to create that content around that. But I really like that you said what's holding them back because that's what's holding so many others back individually in their business is that they're not taking the time to stop and think and process of what am I scared of? What do I need to get over? Um, Recognizing that your lifestyle is also something. If you're in a nine to five, if you have a family that you're, whether it's your parents, your kids, even if you're just an aunt babysitting, like you still have other things going on in your life to be mindful of and recognizing uh, that you can't just like sit at your computer and literally write or record reels all day long um, as well. And so I think it's really important. I like how you broke that down quarterly ideas, but then creating that content kind of weekly. It also allows for you to make any shifts or tweaks based on what is happening um, as well. And like, I always think back to June 2nd of 2020 when it was Blackout Tuesday. So mind you, things had already been you know, it's a week later after actual events, but um, people still had their content just like ready to go and it was pre-planned and scheduled. And I get that, but like, shut it off, delete it, anything, (laughs) don't post it, Um, save it until that timing is kind of relevant, but also recognizing what is happening in your life, in the world around you um, and stop just kind of living in a box. So I think when you're doing it week to week, it gives you that room for kind of ebbing and flowing with how life is going um, as well. So thank you so much for, for sharing that. And although it was not your original plan, because I'm sure you're going to be like a journalist for the New York Times or whatever <laughs> place you cared about, I'm really glad that you're doing the work that you're doing and helping entrepreneurs to uh, be thoughtful about what they're putting out there as well. Yeah, thank you. I mean, it's it's one of those things where you pivot and like I I won't say that I was the most confident with it at first. Like at first I was like I had this dream since I was in 6th grade. Like and I also I always used to say that I was like, "Oh, like I've had this dream since I was in 6th grade." And so letting me be like, "Okay, 6th grade Issa was was thinking something, but you know, now I'm thinking something else and that's okay." Um so I, I won't lie and be like, oh, it was just, you know, I woke up one day and I was like, it's different. Um, it happened and I'm glad that it did because it, it feels so much more aligned now. Yeah. Well, I know you're saying, you know, this was your dream and obviously you graduated at a time where the whole world was in shenanigans to put it calmly um, yeah. as well. But there's people who had this reality, you know, back in 2017, but they were 40 when it happened as well. So honestly, you're probably better off having it in your 20s than when you actually, you know, were 45 or 55 (laughs) um, and having to figure it out the hard way. And I say that as someone who's only a few years older than you, but um, it's still one of those weird, crazy shifts that I, again, none of us expected, um, but life comes at you. So at least you had a a better chance um, of coping. And and in a world where social media was already kind of popular compared to some people that are like learning how to log into Instagram or whatever their situation might be now. Yeah. Um, I think it's all, it all goes back to our tendency towards loss aversion. And I, I heard it at the perfect time, but it was, you know, a different podcast. I'm a huge podcast lover. And it was just like, there they gave an example of a woman who graduated law school and she you know you it's not cheap to go to law school and you put a lot of time in there 
and a year out of law school, she was like, I hate this. And she was like, well, I already put in so much, so much time. I already went to law school that she did it for the next 20 years of her life instead of realizing, okay, I may have quote unquote lost those three years plus college, but I still have the rest of my life ahead of me. How do I not lose those next 20 years? And so I, I heard that at the right time and I was like, okay, we're not losing the next 20 years. (laughs) So absolutely, um, it's just combating that, that loss aversion in ourselves. Yeah. And it's definitely a struggle. Like I'm not saying it's easy and no big deal. Like it's a, it's a process to get through it, but you're coping very well. You look great doing it. Thank you. So before we even hit record on this podcast, we were talking about the Enneagram and human design and Clifton strengths. And obviously I geek out on all these things. And I know you personally kind of know, um, you know, your Clifton strengths and you're learning some of the other ones out there as well. So I want to kind of pivot the conversation into those strengths. And so you mentioned to me before we hit record, your top strength is input and then strategic communication activator and woo. Um, And I'm sure everyone's hearing the woo in your voice as we are (sighs) recording this. So that part makes sense. And for anyone who's not familiar with Clifton Strengths, it is not woo woo like the out there, you know, not which kind of things that we kind of assimilate that word with, but it really is just kind of that bubbly personality, wooing people over with your optimism for life, activator of actually like, you know, taking action, getting things done, going backwards of communication, which makes complete strength, complete sense as someone who is helping people with creating their content on social media. How do you communicate with your ideal client so that they're willing to pay you? Um, your top strength being input, which again, like journalism major. So um, Google these words, people, if you don't know what they mean, like (laughs) (laughs) look it up in the dictionary. Um, But the one that you said you were kind of hesitant about um, seeing it, and it's actually your your second strength, second, um, your top two strength um, was strategic. So I want to kind of get how you've thought about that and how you kind of process that one um, as well, because I'm a very strategic person, but again, most people don't see themselves that way. So how did you process that one? Yeah. Um, before we dive into that, woo is my absolute favorite. Um, it does stand for winning over others. And I'm like, oh, I love that. Um, so strategic, I think when I first heard it, I was like, that's not, that's not me. Cause I don't consider myself a huge, like by the book person. And so reading it, and I did have to pull it up, reading it, it says that, uh, you know, faced with any given scenario, they can quickly spot the relevant patterns and issues. So understanding strategic in that way, I was like, okay, I'm more comfortable with this. And I'm sure if you're hearing this recording, you were like, didn't, didn't you say that her title was strategist? Like, what do you mean? She's not strategic. Um, I've come to embrace it. Um, and I think that the, at the time that I first got these results um, and really was diving into that journalism aspect, I was thinking, no, I'm creative. I'm a writer. I'm uh, so much about people. I'm not someone who's calculated. Sometimes we think of strategic as calculated, but um, again, processing it and really sitting with it and being like, no, I I am strategic. I do see patterns. Um, It allows me to just come up with solutions much more easily. And so I, I wish it was like, solver. I don't know. Um, I don't know if that is a Clifton strength, but something like that. So I love now embracing strategic in my own way. It doesn't mean that I'm an Excel person. 
Airtable is a version of Excel, but like if you get me in traditional Excel, I'm going to be so confused. So it's more of that coming up with solutions, seeing the way out and seeing, okay, if this is recurring, how do we get out of this rut or helping someone else get out of their, their different patterns? Yeah. And you also mentioned about your kind of passion for um, DEIB and kind of just caring about diversity and inclusion um, and bringing that into the work that you're doing. And so having a strategy of how you still have those underlying tones in the work that you do, I like strategic is my top strength. So I always see these connections um, and literally why I do what I do on a daily mm. basis. Um, but I, it's always nice to kind of hear people seeing it and learning that other perspective, because I think especially the way our education system is structured and I'll speak to the American culture more than anything else you're kind of told like if you're a creative person you will be a failure at math and numbers or vice versa if you are great at numbers then you'll never learn how to actually write anything down um, and if the truth is in order to draw a perfect circle you need math involved in that or vice versa because when you take geometry, all of that math calculation is just to figure out how to draw a line up the chart um, as well. But we're, we're told that these two parts of our brain cannot connect, that logic and creativity don't come together. But listening to everything that you just said about how you connect with your clients, how you come up with that content, how you plan it, that you're not stressing yourself out or burning out in your business. To me, that's all strategic, but coming from a journalism major, which I'm like, I was a math minor in college, like completely <laughs> opposite world um, in that kind of way, but bringing it together in a way that it makes sense, that it puts people at ease and gives them that confidence to go out and win over their clients as they do it as yes. well. No. And, and I think that um, I'm, I love that you brought that up because something that a struggle that a lot of my clients face is that they tell me I'm not creative. And they're kind of facing the opposite to me where they're like, oh, I'm very calculated. I love to plan everything. I love, um, you know, giving advance notice. And I think a lot of people confuse like free flowing and creativity. You can be a very structured creative um, and you can also be a very free flowing strategic person as I am. So I think that's an important distinction. And especially in the social media space where everything looks creative there has to be so much strategy behind it. And I, like we've been talking about this whole time, I want people to take the time to be like, how do I marry the two in a way that is worth my time? Is also worth the time of the people viewing it. Because, you know, this is a bit of a, of a tangent, but sometimes we don't consider, like if you are putting out 21 pieces of content, somebody on the other side is reading it and are probably like, I can't get those 30 seconds of my life back. So let's not do that for people. Let's be creative and strategic at the same time and just enjoy it. Absolutely. I love that. And so um, we also talked about your Enneagram type, which you did not know until now, but it's okay. I forgive you and others who still don't know it. Um, but you found out that you were a type three as well. So even though you're new to it, kind of just let me know, like, what are your thoughts as you read through that um, and are processing it? Because again, it's new to you, but I'm curious to um, see how you, your perspective, perspective on this. Yeah. So I, as you can see by my love for Clifton Strengths and all other personality tests, I just love different things that are going to tell me things about myself. Um, and maybe that sounds like a very three thing to say. Um, but this is what I do for a living and I'm an eight. So it's totally, 
<laughs> so it's just, I, I didn't know the difference. You explained it very beautifully because I had, when you hear or you see the memes, and I know that you like to go a lot deeper than the memes, um, but when you see the memes, I always really identified with like an eight and it, you explained it that like, you know, the three might be looking for a little more of that social capital might be looking for a little more of the recognition. And I have no shame saying like, I love some good praise. Um, and so it just makes sense <laughs> that I'm a three. I would love to dive in a little bit more. And now I might actually understand the memes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the memes are fun, like it, but it, if you have too much fun and you don't know the why or the psychology behind it, then you're you're just reading something for fun. And so we were talking before that both eights and threes are very ambitious personality types. Eights just do it because they want it done. Like they really don't care about mm -hmm. what other people kind of think. Where a three wants that recognition from others, whether it is their family and friends and kind of real people that they, they actually know, or if it's just the praise on social media. And so the bragging rights, whether it be like the pride or you know, the recognition kind of behind what they do, but eights and threes always get it done. Not to say that there aren't personality types out there that don't get it done too. Like the rest of you are all wonderful people. And again, we can't have a world of all threes or all eights. It would just be a disaster. We need that balance. But I think recognizing those strengths, what I love about the Enneagram more than all the others is that Clifton Strengths will tell you, these are your top five strengths disc assessment will say this is how you show up in the world um you know mbti myers-briggs will say this is what you look like but getting the why behind it and the motivation is why i became biased to the enneagram but yes they're all great assessments um out there and i think it's something again as you learn about who you are and how you show up you'll also have confidence to take that knowledge and that expertise to the next level, but I always like carrying a new person's perspective on when they find out their types as well. Yeah, and and I think when you were first explaining to me the difference between a three and an eight, um, it just made me think a lot of times we're ashamed to say that we like recognition or we try to say that we don't care about other people's opinion. And so, and that is something that has been a through line throughout my life where I'm like, I kind of care. <laughs> I, I, I want people to like what I'm doing. Um, I think obviously you have to have a, a strength in, in your personality and understanding like why you do what you do, but it's also completely fine to go out into the world and be like, yeah, I want a little approval. I want a little validation. And right now we talk so much about, you know, self-love and self-care as we should, but we can't forget that we're social beings and that we kind of need a little social approval to survive and to feel okay. So I, now newly newly into the world of the Enneagram love being a three <laughs> yes and it's not to say that eights don't want recognition too I just want mine to be in the form of like a paycheck give me money so I can go I mean, me too. on vacation <laughs> um, you know kind of thing but again just looking at the reasons and the things behind it a lot of times um, you know people are quick to talk about like your childhood trauma but your upbringing just the way you were nurtured or raised in general kind of factors into that. So I was raised to be very, very independent, um, which in some ways is great. And in other ways makes you a loner and an introvert and kind of weird um, as well. And so although the external recognition isn't one of my motivators, that doesn't say that like, I don't want people to notice me. I just do it with like 
ridiculous outfits or like weirder things um, in some ways in comparison to some people that want to have the actual trophy handed to them. And again, neither of them are wrong. Neither of them are bad. It's just recognizing that in yourself and being able to now take your next step with some awareness, with some, some thought process behind how you go about life. But yeah, we all, we are humans. We definitely want rewards for what we do. Absolutely. And I don't know, um, I haven't heard you talk too much about it, but like, how do you feel about astrology? Cause it is sort of a personality test, but it's, it can lean into the woo, um, and not the kind that I have. So I love (laughs) astrology. Like I, um, and also connecting, you know, the Enneagram to it now I'm a Pisces, but I have a Leo moon. And so that's the part of like the Leo moon likes to show up, show out, get the praise, get the recognition. And so again, putting everything together with my Clifton strengths, with the Enneagram, my Myers-Briggs, everything. I'm like, I am the way I am. And the quicker I learn to, to love that and accept that, the the quicker we can, we can get going. So I don't really know astrology. Like, I'll just say that I know I'm Aquarius and I know I have the Capricorn moon, but I don't actually know what half of that stuff (laughs) means. I'm learning human design now. I know I'm a projector, but like, I'm still learning the deeper dive behind it. But I will say, as I've explored these things, as I get like just a general kind of foundational, here's what your results are kind of a thing. I do find that they're very accurate. Um, Whether there's conspiracy behind it, all the other things, I don't really care. I'm very intrigued. And I think the the key part, especially as an entrepreneur, because you're learning something new about yourself and the world every single day, I'm always going to kind of take in that information and learn more about who I am so that I can show up in a way that makes the world a better place. So like, Mm. send me all the links, I'm ready to take all the tests, the quizzes, fill out, you know, these different things and continue learning about myself. Um, But I will say that as I learn more about these different things, you're not supposed to connect them, but they do all connect when you learn more about yourself and it just starts to make sense. So like I, the the entrepreneurial space is very much kind of for the threes, for the generators of human design. Like there's just certain personality types that created the entrepreneurial space as we know it. And so they teach that philosophy. And so like in human design, recognizing that a projector is someone who waits for the invitation. I'm like, that just makes so much sense Um, as well. Like as a type eight, I'm very much like, yeah, I know a bunch of stuff. If you can't tell that I'm smart, then like goodbye to you. And I get like an attitude about it. But also when I hear like, oh, well, as a projector, you wait for the invitation. I'm like, Oh yeah. That's Mm. why I don't want to do all this extra stuff Mm -hmm. Um, as well. So I'm always intrigued by it, but I definitely have a lot of learning to keep doing, um, with, I mean, literally MBTI disc assessment, Clifton strengths. I started, but never finished Enneagram coach, but then I'm still like, there's so many more to learn. Yeah, no. And, and I love it. I, my human design is manifester, um, which is, is a lot of that, like you get a lot of bursts of energy, but you're not someone who like that longevity can, can wane. Um, <laughs> but, and I'm like, yep, that's accurate. Um, but I love like looking at all of these, but making sure that they're not like deterministic. Like I have had conversations with people, especially around astrology and human design as they gain as especially human design gains popularity where they say, Oh, like 
it makes me feel bad that I'll never get to be this, or I'm not good at this. And so I'm always very wary of when we are doing all these personality tests, like we still control what we want to do. Maybe we just get different tools to make it easier on ourselves, but never looking at it and being like, oh, well, you know, a three is not supposed to do this because they're not a this. Um, and, and getting into that, you know, you, you ultimately will decide what you do and don't do. Right. And if you're taking it, any of these assessments, any of these kind of tools that are out there and saying, this means I'll never be successful in whatever that definition is, you're the one putting yourself in a box, right? These tools are out here to kind of liberate you, to give you clarity in order to make the decisions you need to make. If you're, if you've read any of these things and said, okay, that means I'll never be X or Y, that's a choice that you've made. Um, I'm an introvert. I have a podcast. I literally talk for a living. I have a background in HR training and recruiting. I don't like all of the things as an introvert, by definition, none of those things make sense. Like you can't shut me up for five seconds Um, when it's about a topic that I'm passionate about. So it's about making that choice for yourself. That's why everyone's like, oh, I'm an ambivert. And they're really quick to like bridge this gap and not be told that they're in an extreme for the Myers-Briggs. We're creating that middle ground as a choice because whether you like to read a book or speak on stage, that doesn't mean that you're one or the other. Actually, most pastors, most lawyers, most teachers, people who all talk for a living are introverts. Mm. So like the system, especially in American culture, kind of says like, oh, everyone who talks is an extrovert and everyone who's quiet is an introvert. Like quiet and loud do not equal (laughs) extrovert and introvert. And so it's really about making that decision for yourself of where do I want to go? Of how do I want to do this? Your success is really up to you to say, I can and I will. Um, And that doesn't matter if you are an Enneagram type four, five, or nine, like go out there and chase your dreams and make it happen and create the life that you want to live. Maybe you do really want to never talk to people and live in the woods, like, but that's a personal choice that you have to make. That's not me. Uh, (laughs) Not me either. But like recognizing that it's a personal choice, whatever that outcome is, it's saying, this is the life I want and I'm going to make it happen. Um, And the human design, Clifton Strengths, Enneagram, any of these other tools is a way for you to gain understanding and have language around how you communicate with others about what type of sales or launch strategy you want to have in your business, but it's not to limit you in any way. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, in case anyone was curious, when I did my my Myers-Briggs, like my E was so far over to E that it was like, there's, I can't lie to anyone and say I'm an ambivert. Like, it's just, there's, there's nothing there. Even the, um, I think I'm an ENTJ, like E, N, and T were like all the way over, like no question about it. The, the J goes to, to P, um, pretty quickly, but I'm, I'm, I live in the extremes. Like even the, I, I forget exactly what it's called, but it's the one where it's like, the it's four different categories and it's like your neuroses or something like that um like big the big five I think yeah I think even in the big five I was on the spectrum I'm always like I'm either all in all out and I 
that's just my life too. But um, <laughs> if I'm bored by something, like it's over. Like don't don't try yeah. to get me back in. I'm um, an INTJ, so that part we definitely have in common. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm not interested. Goodbye. See you never. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It's like oof. So hopefully, I never get to that point in my entrepreneurship. But sometimes we do, and that discontentment is what gets us to the to the over to the next place. Right. And it's just recognizing that in yourself so that it's not to say that you'll always have to be an entrepreneur. Maybe you really take everything that you learn in this entrepreneurial journey and then you like run a corporation, you know, kind of Mm -hmm. thing. But we always try to, I think that's it. Like we're told that if you're an entrepreneur that you can never have a nine to five or if you're a nine to five that you need to quit your nine to five and become an entrepreneur. Like, let's be honest, folks, if you want to go to Target and get your Starbucks or live your life and even order something on Amazon, somebody has to not be an entrepreneur for all Mm -hmm. of those things to be an option for you. So Mm -hmm. recognizing that like not everyone can or should be an entrepreneur or the Target, Starbucks, Amazon life all goes away as well. And Um, not everyone wants to be like, this is hard. And this is a, a, you know, you're constantly like sitting with yourself, just being like, why can't I get this done? And so the personality tests help you kind of figure that out. But sometimes you just sit there and you're like, what do I have to do alone in this world to figure it out? Which there are a lot of people who, who don't want to do that. They want to go into the office, go leave the office and call it a day. Um, that wasn't for me, but I can't say it'll never be for me again. Yeah. Though I think the one thing that I do miss about corporate is that you do get to clock out and leave and leave your work there. Yeah. I mean, corporate even started to shift and obviously with the, the pandemic as well, you have the laptops and that work from home life. And so that changed, but that's something that I missed from my early career of literally leaving, you know, we had desktops. We didn't even have laptops. Like when you were done, you were actually done and unavailable mm-hmm. back when my career started. And that's one thing that I do miss because as much as we have the flexibility of do what I need to as a mom of two, you know, kind of thing, there's also like Sometimes I wish that I didn't have to make dinner and hop back on my laptop to get something done as well. So there's there's pros and cons to both sides mm-hmm. of it. I will never say that I miss the commute though. Like that can rest in peace forever. <laughs> um, but the miss, rest of it is something to factor in. Yeah. Yeah. I just miss, I mean, being a woo and an activator. I miss the the community aspect and I really intentionally through Instagram, through different platforms find ways where I like have to talk to people every day. I know that there are some, um, people, especially like productivity coaches who suggest having one day a week for all of your calls. And I like to spread my calls out throughout the week because I'm like, I need to talk. I need somebody to listen to me. I need to listen to somebody. That's why I'm always listening to podcasts. So yeah, that's the one thing I miss is this, the human interaction sometimes. Yeah. And even like co-working spaces are starting to open back up, but then they're Mm -hmm. like, because of the pandemic, there's still like cubicle holes and you don't get to see or talk to anyone, mm-hmm. even in a co-working space, but it is finding what that new situation is going to look like. And one of the shifts, I mean, for me personally, yes, that human interaction is all of it to me um, as well and something to fa- factor in, but then that, that balance that you do have um, to figure out for yourself. It's an adjustment for all of us. You know, even if you've been an entrepreneur for 15 years, the entrepreneurial space has shifted um, in so many ways as well. And so recognizing, you know, what's for you, what's not for you, but also like appreciating that not everyone should be an entrepreneur also mm. um, in the process. But like you said, it's just 
it's a journey, it's a process, and we're going to figure it out. And the best part is that you never have to stay where you are. You do get to change your mind in two mm-hmm. years or five years um, and, and chase what you love too. So that's always a good thing. But if someone's like, you know what I need to fix is my content, my strategy, the 21 posts on social media is something I never want to do again. Where do they go? How do they find you, connect with you? You know, what is a, a service that you offer that you can kind of help them out with? Yeah, absolutely. So earlier I was talking about um, batching the ideas, not the content per se. So that's what we get to do. Um, I have my signature offer is Issa Good Message. Um, It is a VIP day structure and we get together. We really hone in on that messaging. Who is your ideal client? We go through that. What do they want? What are the barriers and what are their beliefs? How do you fit into that equation? And then uh, from there, we create your juicy content pillars and then the 90 days of content. And it's all aligned with how you want to show up and not necessarily so fixated on, well, such and such expert told me to do this. Such and such person told me that if I don't use 30 hashtags or now three to five, that my whole company is going to crumble. And I'm like, let's take all that pressure off your shoulders. Let's just show up for your ideal client and do so in a way that is going to feel good. I'm all about feeling good while you make your money. So um, that is Issa Good Message. And you can find all that info um, through the link in my bio. If you are early in your content game, I also have uh, my YouTube channel, which I know you had Jamar Diggs on. um, And I've been working with Jamar to get my YouTube channel just right. You can find a lot of those um, strategy tips on there. I'm very open with I don't think that you have to follow every single rule. I just had a video about why I don't use hashtags. I think that they're a waste of time. So check me out on there. And of course, my favorite place, check me out on Instagram. I'm always there. Like send me a DM. Like you will get a response pretty promptly uh, again, because I need that human interaction. (laughs) That's awesome. Thank you so much. So I will drop the links to Issa Good Message, clever name, by the way, Thank you. Um, as well as your YouTube channel and of course, Instagram, which is where we all hang out. And if you're listening to this podcast, definitely let us both know. Come send a DM on Instagram and let us know. Say hello and tell us what you thought of this episode. Thanks again for listening, everyone. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Amplify Ambition. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, please take a moment to share it on Instagram or your favorite social media platform and tag me at Coach Keds. I'd also love for you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts to help other ambitious women listen in and join our community to unlock their next level of success. Click the link in the show notes to learn more about on-demand courses or apply to work with me directly. There are limited spots each month for Becoming CEO Intensives, where I show you how to implement a personalized strategy without the cookie-cutter tactics so you can achieve your business goals. The reason this works for my clients is because of my unlock method. Many women don't realize that when they learn how to apply the psychology behind their Enneagram type, they're able to confidently take aligned and consistent action that prevents boredom and business burnout. It's time you gain clarity on that next step as you own what makes you unique in the industry. Learn more at keycoach.com. Check out the links in the show notes on ways to also stay connected with me between episodes. Until next time, dream loudly.